It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama made it, ma. Anything's possible. Rainy days. Jump shot, fade away. This the best Celtics podcast day to day. I get excited about it like when Tatum play a Jalen on the breakaway, a Kyrie when he make a trade, and nothing like the terrible analysts on the TV. So in depth that after you play it, you got a repeat. So in depth they might do an hour about the D League. So in depth you probably should pay him, but it's a freebie. Yeah, Corrales, Packard, and J King locked on trying to get the 18th ring. And well wishes go to Gordon. Listen after every game is very important, Millie. Hey there, welcome back to the Locked On Celtics Podcast. Here on the Locked On Podcast Network, thank you for making us part of your daily routine. We're here for you Monday through Friday. We're the only Celtics podcast here for you Monday through Friday. Even on a day like today where there's not much going on, so we're going to do things a little bit differently. First of all, I'm John Corrales, here by myself, the other guys, Jay King, Sam Packard, night off, not much to talk about. Team has kind of taken... The day off, they're going to practice tomorrow or today when you listen to the show, Wednesday. And so the guys will be back tomorrow to handle a little bit more of the day of stuff, maybe some mailbag stuff. So I am here to introduce you to a couple of things that I did on the radio. I did a a hit for WEI and for The Pulse in Bangor, Maine. And just to give you just a little bit of Celtics content, a little stuff that we did, some question and answer stuff with with both hosts. And of course, running theme, Al Horford, Lou Merloni, blah, 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 all of that stuff. But part of a larger conversation uh, on both fronts. So let's start with WEEI. It is Sports Radio, WEI, it is late night, room for you guys at 617-779-7937. We'll continue with our Al Horford discussion for the next half an hour or so, and here to help me make the case for Al Horford, here to help me explain to the masses why Al Horford is in fact worthy and worth a max level deal in today's NBA, is the co-founder of RedsArmy.com. You guys know him from Boston.com, he's a Celtics contributor, and of course the Locked on Celtics podcast my man, John Corrales. John, thanks for uh, staying up late with us tonight. Hey, my pleasure. Uh, so, so listen, man, you've been in the thick of this thing uh, all season long, as have I. Why do you think, leaving Lou Maloney out of it just for a minute, why do you think that Al Horford is such a divisive guy? Because we can't sit here, at least on my show, I can't find people that sort of like Al or guys that think Al is you know, just okay. People either love this guy and feel the need to overly defend him, or they hate him and they think that he is the most overpaid, overrated guy in the NBA. Well, it depends on how you look at Al Horford and how much uh, of the games you really watch. How do you watch basketball? Because you look at Al Horford and you say, all right, here's a guy who's making you know, over $25 million. By the end of his contract, the last year of his contract, he's going to make $30 million. There's a concept of a max player that people say, oh, max player equals LeBron. Max player equals Durant. And Al Horford's not that. And because he gets max money, I have to hold him to that standard. 
And that's a mistake because Al Horford, for some reason, people won't think that by paying him more money, he's going to be a different guy than he's always been. But Al Horford has always been very good at basketball and very good at specific things that make the overall team better at the expense sometimes of his own personal stats. So you look at Al Horford averaging 13 points a game right now for the Celtics, and you say, we're paying him $25 million a year to average 13 points a game? That's terrible. Well, first of all, it's not your money, so relax. It doesn't hurt the Celtics to pay him that money, so relax. They're not in the tax. They're not handcuffed. He's not nothing. When Al Horford was free agent, a lot of teams were lining up to pay him that money. Why? Because that was the market rate. That's what he was worth at the time. And even if you say, well, he's overpaid. Yeah, he's probably a little bit overpaid. That's how you get free agents. That's how free agency works. To get a guy to leave the team that he's on, you have to pay him a little bit more than that team is going to pay him. So you have to give him a couple extra million bucks so he can leave and play for you. So that happens everywhere. Al Horford is an insanely productive player who does a lot of great things, who has changed his game phenomenally to add a three-point shot that is he's shooting at an elite level, given you know, the past few games notwithstanding. He's struggled a little bit since the All-Star break. But this season, he's shooting 43%. Anything over 40% is an elite-level three-point shooter, and he's doing it as the Celtics center. He is in the discussion for defensive player of the year, and he is proven to be a plus player whenever he's on the floor. Almost always the Celtics are better when he is on the floor, and when he leaves the floor, everybody's production drops. That is a consistent thing over the past two years here in Boston and the many years he had in Atlanta. He's just a really good player that does very good things, and he does things for the rest of the, his teammates, and he is worth a lot of money. And a lot of teams in the NBA were willing to pay him a lot of money, and by getting him in Boston, that helped set the stage for Gordon Hayward, Kyrie Irving, and whatever other players might be coming down the road. Yeah, I mean, when you look at Al Horford, in my opinion, yeah, I get tired of doing the discussion, John, uh, saying that he does all the little things, he makes his teammates better, because on the radio, in this sort of setting, uh, it, it gets tiring, and nobody wants to sort of hear it, but it is, it's true, you know, tonight is a perfect example. He gives the team 13-7 and seven, uh, it, production in 22 minutes, but he's a plus 31. Making your point, everybody else is better when Al Horford is on the floor. Uh, it's clear when you look at this team offensively how much better their offense runs when they run their offense through Al Horford in the high post. Nobody gives him credit for being one of the few big men in the league. Yes, he can step out and hit a three at a 43% clip, but he can also be trusted to run the offense through him when they slow it down and they're no longer playing transition basketball. So he does all of these things. But I think it's been unfortunate, at least in my opinion, for Al Horford. He comes here, and essentially, the first, his first year here, he's paired with Isaiah Thomas. And IT sort of came into his own with Al Horford here and became the number one option, Al Horford slipping into the number two spot. This year, Al Horford was supposed to slip back into that number three spot, where I think he'll really thrive, and a lot of that criticism will go away, because you've got Gordon Hayward, who was going to take take 
20 points a, a game, essentially, off the table. He was going to score those 20 points, allowing Al Horford to be the perfect number three option for this team. Uh, how much different do you think the tone and tenor of this conversation will be next year, seemingly with a uh, healthy Gordon Hayward on the roster as well? Well, yeah, I think people need to understand that that was always what Al Horford was supposed to be. And he was part of a two-pronged plan the summer that he was signed as a free agent because they were also going after Kevin Durant. They had two max slots, and Durant was plan A. And they got Horford, and Horford was going to be the guy that helped draw him. Now, if he didn't have that connection, that desire to go to Golden State, maybe he would have gone to Boston. But look, what happened happened. But the plan was not to sign Horford to be the main guy. You sign Horford to be your third star, your second star, whatever, and they had draft picks and they were going to potentially draft the other star player. It all worked out where now you've got Kyrie and then you've got Gordon Hayward and Al Horford is the perfect guy to work alongside both of them because they are a little bit more ball dominant and Horford can facilitate. He can work pick and roll. You've seen him work pick and roll with Kyrie Irving. And when Kyrie Irving gets double teamed, he kicks out and now Horford's had a ton of open threes. That 43% that he's shooting from three is a direct result of all of the attention other players are getting specifically Kyrie Irving. Now you throw Gordon Hayward into the mix and he's a guy who draws a ton of attention because he's an elite shooter. Horford is going to get a lot of that overflow stuff, and that's what he's supposed to be. He's supposed to be the guy that when you pay attention to those other two, that Horford's going to get all of those other open shots. He's your third star. And so what if he gets paid a ton of money? He's going to get paid a ton of money. People have to get past what he (laughs) makes. You have to get past what he makes and look at what he does on the floor. Al Horford is right now what he's always been. There's nothing different. When he was signed by the Celtics, the player that he is now is the player they paid for. That's the guy that they wanted. This is what they wanted from him. Like People got to get that through their heads. They didn't sign him to be 25.15 rebound guy. They signed Al Horford to be this guy, this exact guy that, that he is. This is what the Celtics wanted. They got it. So Danny Ainge is happy with this signing. Brad Stevens is happy with this signing. It's time that people understand that Danny Ainge and Brad Stevens know a little bit more about basketball than you. <laughs> it's sports radio. They're happy about it. <laughs> it's sports radio. WEI. It's late night. I am Patrick Gilroy on the line with me right now. John Corrales from uh, the Locked On Celtics, Locked On NBA podcast, co-founder of RedsArmy.com, and of course a Celtics contributor over there at Boston.com. And I encourage John to make your point uh, even a little bit stronger, fans, just to take a look at other Max guys across the league. I'm talking about guys like Harrison Barnes and Chandler Parsons, guys making upwards. Dwight Howard. 23 to $25 million annually. Would Celtics fans, would Lou Merloni, would people that are in Lou Merloni's camp rather see the Celtics have doled out big money to Harrison Barnes and Chandler Parsons over a guy like Al Horford? Ultimately, I think when you compare him to these guys, it looks like 
money well spent. John, real quick before we get you out of here, look at this Celtics team. Uh, look at their record, what, 45-20, and 20, fourth best record in the NBA. Uh, a team that ultimately is probably going to finish the season with roughly the same record they had last year. Last year, 53 wins. I expect this year's team to be 55-56. Last year's team, though, once Cleveland showed them just how far away they were from truly contending, uh, Danny Ainge essentially took a blowtorch to that team. Is there any shot this year, John, that if things don't go well in the playoffs once again and it looks like the Celtics are miles away from truly contending, is there any shot that Danny Ainge does it for the second year in a row? I don't think it'd be as dramatic. It, I guess what's what's the flame out? I think right now, because Gordon Hayward is hurt, that the Celtics understand that this isn't the finished product at all. So I don't think that they're going to go through that same turnover at all. Like you've got Horford under contract, you've got Kyrie under contract, Gordon Hayward's coming back healthy, you've got Jalen Brown making that year two to year three leap, which is generally that year three is when guys start making that most improved player type of leap. And then you've got uh, Jason Tatum getting it into his second year. Now Those are two stars that you didn't have last year. So I, I don't think they, they get too aggressive unless for some reason, and I'm not trying to stir this up or suggest that it's possible, but if for some reason a guy like Anthony Davis or Kawhi Leonard become available this summer, that would be the only thing I think that would draw Danny Ainge into a, a kind of a, a blow-up scenario. I think he's going to stick with these guys, and even if for some reason something goes wrong in the playoffs, he's, he's going to stick with the core that he has now, and it's going to be tinkering around the sides. Like uh, I don't think... Uh, Aaron Baines is coming back, and I don't know what Greg Monroe's future is, but I think most of these guys come back next year regardless. John, when you look at the sort of the, the trajectory of your career and, and so what you've done in regards to your Celtics coverage, you're a guy that's always been uh, on social media quite a bit and engaging with the fans uh, both positively and negatively on social media. What do you think it is about, but you've stayed away from the garbage for the most part, and, and you've stayed sort of above the fray. What do you think it is about Lou Merloni in particular that gets guys like you, gets guys like me, really to, to sort of change our ways and, and to really engage with him on Twitter? Ultimately, it never seems to work out all that well, but we continue to do it. What is it about Lou that draws us in? Well, Lou's, Lou's playing a game, and I'm kind of playing along. You know, he, he's going to go out there and do his average Al thing. And for, for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. He's a guy that's a, a radio host that shows that he's, he's stuck on that thing. And if he's going to kind of be stuck on that thing, I'll be happy to be the counterbalance to that thing and, and just be that voice that, that counteracts it. I know that he thinks he's like triggering us. And I've seen some of the coverage that, uses that language like, oh, we've triggered them. It's not like I'm sitting there uh, completely losing my mind. I, I get passionate about it because I'm passionate about good basketball, and I, I know the, the true value of, of Al Horford in particular and good players that sacrifice maybe their own personal stats. But, look, Lou, Lou's out there trolling, and, and he's playing a game, and I'm, I'm happy to be, like, like I said, the counterbalance to that game. And however it goes, it goes. But 
I, I just, I guess, I'm just not going to let ignorance kind of go unchecked. And if if he wants to be the guy that is happy to be ignorant, I'm going to be the guy that's happy to to kind of battle the ignorance. <laughs> and I, I, you know, I'll leave you with this because it's something I always sort of come back to. Uh, when you look at Kevin Garnett's years here in Boston, with the exception of his first year here where he averaged 18.8 points a game, uh, go to 08-09, points, 8 rebounds. Following year, 14.7 rebounds, 14.9 rebounds, 15 points, 8 rebounds, 14.7 rebounds. And that sums up his career production-wise, uh, box score-wise, with the Celtics. Essentially, the same numbers that you get from Al Horford. The difference is Kevin Garnett was ultra demonstrative on the court where Al Horford is quiet and unassuming. But production-wise, it's amazing how similar the production is from both of these guys and how wildly different they are considered, uh, the perception of these guys is considered around here. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a different scenario because Garnett came in and completely changed the culture of the Celtics, and he was he was an obvious catalyst. And he, he had that thing that showed he has the fire. And when it comes to, look, when it comes to hosting a radio show, you, you want something, you want passion, you want this and that. I, I get the, the notion that talking about solid fundamental play <laughs> and how many, you know, like look at, look at that Houston Rockets game where uh, Horford had an admittedly bad game and made a couple of bad mistakes, but yet he was the Celtics leader in contested shots. For example, I sit there and I use the stat like, hey, look, contested shots. To me, it means something. But I know there are people who are listening right now that just groaned at the fact that I used contested shots as a statistic to support Al Horford. That's just the, the Garnett yelling, screaming, getting on the floor, tapping, you know, Channing Fry in the stack and, and clapping. In, in people's faces and whatever. Like, that stuff is passionate and fun and exciting. And contested shots is boring. But the impact is, is similar on the floor. That I, I will tell you right now that Kevin Garnett would 100 times out of 100 want a guy like Al Horford on the floor with him. They, they have the same type of mentality. There's the same team mentality. They will both sacrifice shots to make the right pass, to make the right play. So I, I can guarantee you, Kevin Garnett, if you ask him about Al Horford, what kind of player he is, he would gush about Al Horford. All right, John, I appreciate you staying up late with us, and uh, let's do this again as the Celtics sort of make their way into the home stretch here. The playoffs are just 40 days away, but, but who's counting? NFL teams making bold final moves before the start of the season. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. The Tennessee Titans have announced a one-year deal with linebacker Jadavion Clowney, reportedly worth $15 million. Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans tells you if it's going to be enough to get Tennessee back to the AFC title game. In other moves around the league, the Miami Dolphins named Ryan Fitzpatrick starting quarterback, which means Tua will be back up for the time being. And the Detroit Lions have agreed to a one-year deal with running back Adrian Peterson. Peterson was released by the Washington football team last Friday. For more NFL news and analysis, subscribe to the new Peacock and Williamson NFL show and listen to a brand new lineup on Locked On NFL. They'll have division previews every day this week. Local experts on the biggest stories. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 
You're up to date on your favorite team, but what about the competition? Hollinger and Nate Duncan are evaluating every bubble contender on Hollinger and Duncan. Rejecting the screen goes behind the scenes with in-depth interviews and the Locked On NBA podcast is recapping games daily. Let the Locked On NBA network of podcasts take care of your NBA bubble scouting reports. Hollinger and Duncan, rejecting the screen, the Locked On NBA podcast. Subscribe to the best trio of NBA podcasts on the planet, wherever you get your podcasts. And then today I was on downtown with Rich Kimball up in Bangor, Maine on the Pulse Bangor. I do this hit every Tuesday. So check that out. Go to uh, Rich Kimball is at downtown Rich K. You can follow him. I do a regular radio hit. Today I was asked about Shane Larkin starting and Brad's mindset behind that, the improved Celtics offense. Marcus Smart got hit with a $15,000 fine for not even criticizing the refs, mentioning the refs. So I talk about that. And of course, a little more Al Horford talk because that's the topic of the week, apparently. So here's that. Hey, we're back on downtown for a Tuesday afternoon and time for us to talk Celtics as we're joined by John Corrales of RedsArmy.com and the Locked On Celtics podcast. And today, you know, we look at the greatness of Brad Stevens, who says, I'm not going to start Shane Larkin tonight. Let's see how that works out. <laughs> Uh, it, it kind of took us all by surprise. Like, oh, okay, that's an interesting decision. But uh, the bench unit had been playing so well together that it, it made sense to try and keep that cohesion. And when you when you really think it through, and this is the, the beauty of Brad Stevens, it, you don't just sit there and say, okay, it makes sense to start Marcus Smart, or maybe even Terry Rozier. But you say, well, that bench has been such a problem for the Celtics this year. Keeping them together and kind of building that chemistry between them maybe transcends who is in the starting lineup. And, and against the Bulls, it didn't matter. So, and, and really the bench didn't even get the exact experience that they were hoping for because the Bulls are so bad. But when you really think it through, you say, all right, I can see why Brad is a genius. Well, it was such a great start. I was out and I came in, flipped it on, and it was late first quarter, and they're up by about 16 as well. Something's going right here, my goodness. Yeah, the Bulls are terrible. That's, they've kind of given up their season, and they that result last night was probably the best result for both teams. The, the Bulls are trying, you know, they're, they're trying to win the race to the bottom. Celtics trying to win the race to the top of the East. So that's just how it goes. And we can talk about tanking if you want. That's an entirely different conversation, but the Bulls, are are bad and you, you just saw the Celtics they didn't have to do much to create some good looks they put a little bit of effort in moved the ball a couple of times made a couple of passes and the next thing you know they're at the rim well uh, now uh, they get ready for Minnesota coming up on Thursday and that's always an interesting game they've got some guys that uh, have some some matchup challenges I, I think it's safe to say well yeah I mean it starts with Carl Anthony Towns right I mean he, he's he's a stud uh, it's, it's too bad that they don't have Jimmy Butler, but they have they have a lot of guys on that team that you they're they're pretty pretty good out west for a reason. So Towns uh, Wiggins is an, a real interesting guy, uh, and and they've got some young long guys that can potentially give the Celtics some problems. So we'll just have to see. Uh, my, my honestly, my biggest concern for Minnesota is I just hope 
Tom Thibodeau doesn't just play those guys to death and, and they end up getting hurt. They're just such a fun young team. And, of course, you know, looking for the Celtics to win that game, but I just want to see them be healthy and, and reach their potential. Do you think we'll see Kyrie on Thursday, or will they continue to give him a little time off? You know, I, I think there's, we're just going to go day by day at this point since we're on a – it's only Tuesday. They're going to take the day off. In the past, this knee issue has kind of flared up and then gone away. So it just kind of depends on how it responds to treatment. He's traveling with the team, obviously. So – it's entirely possible, but it's hard to say. He could he could be fine tomorrow, and then game day could come around and it could be sore again. So it's really a, a game-time decision. We're talking with John Corrales here on Downtown. Now, you wrote about it on RedsArmy.com. My gosh, can't you speak up? Can't you say anything about the officials and, and James Harden? Apparently not if you're Marcus Smart. Yeah, Marcus Smart ding for fifteen grand. For basically telling the truth, I mean, I put the video evidence, the, the photographic evidence on the site that, look, James Harden grabs and kind of initiates contact and is very good at it. And it, Marcus Smart said, look, this is true. This is, he grabs and it's hard to play him if he gets those calls and gets the benefit of the doubt. Unfortunately, in the NBA, you can't say anything about the officials, even if it is correct. And so... That's it. Fifteen thousand dollars comes out of Marcus Smart's next paycheck and into uh, the NBA charity. Uh, it's unfortunate, but you know, James Harden is. I, I just have a hard time watching him sometimes because he does those things, and it's it's aesthetically displeasing, as I like to say. And it, you know, what fun is watching a guy take fifteen free throws in a game? John, the Celtics' offense has been uh, right in high gear since after the All-Star break. How much of that is uh, some kind of improvement in their game, and how much of that is the schedule? Well, they've had an opportunity to kind of get rest and and rejuvenate. After the All-Star break, come back with a kind of renewed mental focus. And I think that's the one thing you hear the guys talk about is just kind of getting that mental refresher that they can kind of concentrate a little bit more. So there's that, playing at home and, and getting, at, on top of that, Marcus Smart, getting Marcus Smart back. I think it's just kind of snapped the rotations into place. And we've seen, obviously, Kyrie for, for the first part of that was on fire. The second unit was is, is now looking more cohesive. Greg Monroe is starting to look a little bit better. And Marcus Morris is starting to kind of really figure things out and that's just been kind of an underreported aspect of this season, that Morris started the season with the legal issues, came back, had the knee issues, and it's taken a while to get him kind of used to everything, and, and now he's finally hitting his stride. He might be as key a piece to that bench as, as anyone. So we're starting to see the bench come together. We're starting to see starters do their thing. If they can start putting that together, then they can they could be poised for a pretty good playoff run. John, I thought I was the crankiest guy in radio, but uh, I believe I've been displaced by Lou Merloni. What have you done to poor Lou? Uh, I have, by some, I don't know, unknown reason, decided <laughs> that Al Horford's good at basketball. And it's, it's just an unforgivable offense. I should take this opportunity to publicly apologize to <laughs> Lou Merloni for having the opinion that Al Horford is really, really good at basketball and that every time he has a bad game, it's not breaking news that I have to go scream from the mountaintops. Al Orver's had a bad game. Guys have bad games, but that's fine. 
Uh, Al Horford is a, a very kind of polarizing guy. Uh, he, he is, I feel like if you look at Al Horford and you're one of the people that says, oh, he's just average, then I, I just don't find your ability to recognize good basketball. I, I don't think it's very good. I don't think you know what you're watching on the floor. Beyond, he makes baskets and he doesn't make all the baskets. So if you can't really understand what Al Horford's impact is on the floor, I'd be happy to tell you. I'd be happy to show you. But people like Lou Maloney sit there and he's you know done his whole average Al thing. It, it is what it is. He's trying to get attention. He's trying to troll us and get a reaction out of me. I'm happy to, to be the guy that, I don't want to say defends Al Horford, but educates people to say, look, Al Horford's really, really good. He does a lot of these great things. And when he's not on the floor, team is, generally speaking, not as good. Now, if that wasn't true against Houston, they played a lot better with the bench uh, on the floor. That's going to happen from time to time. It happens on every NBA team. But Al Horford makes a lot of money, and people can't seem to understand that a few extra zeros in the bank account don't change. It doesn't change who the player fundamentally is. The Celtics signed Al Horford, the guy that was in Atlanta, and it was this player for all of those years in Atlanta. This is who they were expecting. This is the guy that they were they, they went shopping for, and they got him. And I would argue that he's even better because now he's shooting threes at a ridiculous rate. So my, my line is Danny Ainge is happy. Brad Stevens is happy. The Celtics are happy. Why can't you just be happy, too, about Al Holford? So to summarize, I guess I would say you don't have to be a below-average former professional athlete to recognize an above-average current professional athlete. Yes, I would would think that one's prior uh, ability to play a certain sport might shed some perspective on what it takes to be good and, and, and nuance, especially because uh, when you're you know, not the, the best player on the floor, and look, Al Horford's supposed to be the third star on this team. They got Kyrie. They're, they're getting Gordon Hayward back. Al Horford is, is the third option in all of that. I think everybody kind of knows that, that he's a facilitator to make all that stuff possible, to make all those other guys better. But I would think a guy like Marloni would understand the concept of doing little things to win a game, you know, hitting the ball to the right side with less than two outs to get a runner over from second to third and and a productive out, you know, stuff like that translatable to the NBA productive things on the floor when you're not scoring, but Hey, he's got a thing and he wants to, you know, do his radio thing. (laughs) That's fine. Well, uh, we'll lean on your perspective. We're a lot more happy and comfortable uh, with that. And, and well, I'll, I'll leave it at that in case Lou ever decides to deign us with his presence again on the show. John, we thank you as always. Enjoy the game Thursday night, and we'll check in with you next week. You got it. So, again, a little bit something different today since there wasn't a lot to talk about day of stuff. So we're, we're going to come back with a normal podcast tomorrow. So I hope you enjoyed this little departure little conversation with uh, Pat Gilroy and Rich Kimball. Follow them uh, at Gilroy on Hoops, and Rich Kimball is at Downtown Rich K. Of course, I, John Corrales, am at Reds Army underscore John. Jay King is at By Jay King, and Sam is at Jam P.
Packard. Follow us on Twitter for all our hilarious shenanigans. And of course, subscribe to the Locked On Celtics podcast to get a normal daily Monday through Friday podcast. Remember, hey, we are the only people out here doing a daily show for you guys. Even on a day like today, we'll have this. Occasionally, life gets in the way and we might, out of necessity, have to miss a show. That's unfortunate sometimes, but we are here for you basically Monday through Friday. If you're not a subscriber, please subscribe. If you are a subscriber, reward our hard work and give us a five-star review and a good rating on Apple Podcasts or iTunes or wherever the heck it's called right now. Go to wherever you get your podcast, leave a good review, let the people know, share the word, spread the word that they should be listening to us. The Locked On Celtics Podcast. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feed every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday, we talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now wherever you get podcasts and hit that subscribe button.